Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine radio show. Due to budget cuts, tonight's show was pre-recorded on tape, old scotch tape left over from Christmas. Now, I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Yes, the sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining weekly pipe smoking broadcast. And I am your host, Brian Levine. Uh, Pre-recorded because I am uh, finishing up my trip to Disneyland. Hope it went well. Hope you've been following me on uh, Facebook and maybe on uh, Instagram and wherever else. Uh, On tonight's show, we'll have another Ask the Pipe Maker segment with Jeff Grasick. And then my guest by request is uh, Brian Kalnitz of uh, Smoker's Haven of Western New York, uh, just outside of Buffalo. I had a lot of fun sitting down and catching up with Brian, and he spells his name the right way. And then we'll have music mailbag and a uh, a rave. Yeah, a shout out to a company that has decided to uh, not... (laughs) not bend over to pressures and will continue selling tobacco products so that's coming up uh do make sure that you are sharing the pipes magazine radio show wherever you are and if you have any uh requests of ask the pipe maker uh if you have any requests of a blend that you would like for me to review any suggestions for pipe parts um Anything like that, email me, brian at pipesmagazine.com. I will be more than happy to help you out with that uh, or get that on the list. And uh, quite honestly, I've lost my list that I had going before. So uh, I still have a few pipe parts things, and we've got a couple more Ask the Pipe Maker questions. But if you have anything that you would like to hear, suggestions, comments, Maybe even a piece of music. Uh, just let me know, and I will be happy to get it in. Again, email me, brian at pipesmagazine.com. And remember, if your uh, summer travel plans include a cruise or uh, something like that, uh, reach out to me, brian.levine at mei-travel.com. Uh, lots of deals still to be had for the summertime and maybe even a uh, late uh, yeah, late summer cruise to Alaska if you're tired of the summer heat and nothing would be better than getting up to Alaska in August. All right, let's get the show rolling. So everybody sit back, relax, fire up a bowl. Thank you all for tuning in. And here we go. There's nothing quite like working in my shop or smoking my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe an American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. Check them out at corncobpipe.com. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show, and joining us for Ask the Pipe Maker is the pipe maker, Jeff Grasick. Jeff, welcome back to the show. Hey, thanks, Brian. All right, so as uh, as we said, you know, comments or questions about Ask the Pipe Maker, email them to me, Brian at pipesmagazine.com, or reach out to me somehow. But uh, Jeff, here's a question that I've had because we've talked about, you know, uh, there's been a lot of discussion in the past, and I haven't heard a lot of it recently about the the tenon and mortise, the mm-hmm. that one little section of the pipe where 
Yeah, the it, it the smoke goes from traveling through the wood product and then comes into the stem material product. Right. Uh, and the importance of it. Uh, mm-hmm. So first of all, let me start off with saying that, you know, obviously a gap in the tenon mortise is bad because the the distance between you know when the if the if the tenon doesn't match up as close as possible to the draft hole coming in the shank mm-hmm. then you've got turbulence in there correct you mean you're talking about the distance between the the end of the tenon and the bottom of the mortise correct yeah yeah you say it in mm-hmm. fancy words i'll say it in plain words go ahead <laughs> okay well i mean i we should clarify i think for your listeners uh what what we're talking about for those who don't know so the part that the part on the mouthpiece that goes into the wooden part on your pipe that's called the tenon and the part that receives it is called the mortise um but yeah the the distance between the end of the tenon and the mortise when the mouthpiece is pushed all the way in there shouldn't be a large distance there and the reason is uh i mean in general terms your pipe won't smoke very well uh, <laughs> to elaborate on that a little bit more yeah please <laughs> the larger that gap is the greater chance there is for the air or smoke as it's flowing through that mouthpiece to to for, for turbulence to take place and when turbulence takes place it can cause moisture to condense out of the smoke stream, thus creating a goopy, gurgling mess. Um, And the other problem with that is that the larger that gap is, the more turbulence take place, the more goop um, collects there. Well, that goop will eventually start to build up and it will create, it'll build up a, uh, a false end to the mortise. It'll be like a little layer there. And that means eventually you won't be able to push your mouthpiece in all the way. Um, and I get, I've, I've had a lot of pipes in my workshop through the years, my own and from other pipe makers, um, that, uh, the, the mouthpieces won't go in. And I'm thinking, my God, I didn't make it that way. <laughs> and I look and, and it's all goopy. Either, either the, um, uh, the collector didn't push it in all the way for a few smokes and stuff got in there or, um, you know, they could have been an earlier pipe where I didn't make it quite long enough. Um, I mean, I am as human as anybody else. So I do make mistakes from time and again. So what, what can we as pipe smokers and, and collectors, what can we do to help keep that from happening to help keep that build up in there? Um, I mean, I'll, you know, I'll tell you, uh, one of the nightmare stories that I saw was, uh, was the, you know, there was actually tobacco bits that were stuck in the, in that little space in there. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, not on, not on anybody else's pipes except for mine. Um, mm-hmm. so what can we do, you know, and I, and I think I, I know some of the answers, but what do you want us to do to, to keep that area clean? Yeah, no, that's a good question. Um. I mean, the first thing that you want to check for when you is when you're buying a pipe, um, you can generally look down in like when you disassemble a pipe before you buy it, assuming that you're buying it in person, just look and eyeball it to see how how long the mortise is. If it looks like it's substantially deeper than the tenon is long, I'd avoid that pipe. Um, It's going to eventually cause some problems for you. But these, I mean, these things can be fixed by putting a, you know, an artificial plug down in the bottom by a pipe maker. There, there are prob, there are ways to solve that problem. But yep. 
the, the easiest way is just to not buy the pipe that has a problem in the first place. Now, assuming that you own a pipe that has a problem like this, the first thing that you want to do is when you're done smoking it, when you're cleaning your pipe, running a, a pipe cleaner through the mouthpiece uh, and also cleaning out the chamber, just take that mouthpiece out, clean, use, uh, fold it over and clean the bottom of the mortise and the um, bottom of the tenon, the end of the tenon. That's the easiest way to prevent um, moisture from building up or from the, the gunk from building up in that space. So simple maintenance and maybe, you know, but would you advise that they wait until the pipe cools down before you take the stem off and, and start cleaning in there? Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, you, you don't want to um, break it, particularly if a pipe has a Delrin tenon. Um, you simply don't want to disassemble a pipe um, when it's hot. Um, it can cause, uh, the reason I say Delrin tenons, those are glued in and heat causes the adhesive that was used, the epoxy that was used to adhere the, the Delrin into the, the mouthpiece material causes that to soften somewhat. And if the mouthpiece is pretty tight already, the addition of the heat and repetitive motion over, you know, taking it out over the course of a year can cause it to loosen and for the, the tenant to come out. And no one wants that to happen, neither the pipe maker nor the customer. So yeah, yeah, always let your pipe cool down a bit before you disassemble it. And then just go through your cleaning routine and make sure you add cleaning the bottom of the tenon and uh, mortise to your routine. Yeah, I mean, my, my personal cleaning routine is about once every three months I sit down in front of a football game or a very long movie and I just clean the, I clean the tips of the tenons and the facing and the mortise. And yeah, because I don't get around to doing it every time. I know I'm a bad boy. Um, yeah, yeah, well, that's, yeah, that's but, much more frequently than I clean my pipes. Well, yeah, that's because you're a pipe maker. If you need a new one, you just make one. Um, well, uh, well, it's not quite that simple. Come on, Brian. So you know, I, I, <laughs> uh, I, I clean mine. I clean mine only when I'm good. I know I'll be embarrassed by them when I'm going to a pipe show. I make sure that I turn all the green mouthpieces uh, black again. <laughs> and uh, I make sure I empty them before I travel with them. <laughs> oh, that ash stuff, it comes out too? <laughs> That's what I hear. I just yeah. keep piling more tobacco on top. <laughs> All right. So if we so if we've got a pipe that does have a gap in there and we're getting a buildup in there, mm -hmm. the the two things that you that you suggest is one, just keep it clean, uh, yeah. and and two, if you can get it to a pipe repair guy who can maybe sleeve that or fill that space and 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 match it up or maybe make a longer tenon for the pipe. Um, right. In a in a bent pipe, what happens? Is there a way to fix it if the if the the air hole coming out of the stem doesn't match up directly to the draft hole through the shank, and thus make it tough for a pipe cleaner to make the trip through? Yeah, that's that's a, a different problem. That's a pipe maker problem, uh, just like the the overly long mortise is. Um, that. I mean, anytime you buy a pipe and it doesn't pass a pipe cleaner um, with the mouthpiece attached, that should be a red flag to you. Sometimes there's an explanation. If it's a really deep bend, sometimes it's yeah. very difficult um, to make it so that it passes a pipe cleaner. With that being said, it's for me imperative that all my pipes do pass a pipe cleaner. And I have received pipes in for work from my customers, from other um, pipe makers whose pipes don't pass a pipe cleaner. A pipe maker can fix that problem in most circumstances. 
the way they do that is they create, they essentially make that airway. So if you look in the bottom of the mortise, typically the problem is that the mortise is too high or sometimes too low. Um, so it doesn't align with the airway uh, that that's central in the middle of the tenon. So when you put them in, they don't match up. That's that was really what your question was. Yeah. Well, what the pipe maker will do is is go and uh, create a, a ramp basically, and it enlarges the airway in the bottom of the mortise in the direction of the center of the bottom of the mortise. Um, and that's a technique that's used by pipe makers of all price ranges all around the world. Um, it does tend to open. It, it of course it's creating a larger volume uh space inside of that section but that is a compromise i mean every every pipe maker has to make a compromise for uh <laughs> design now and again jeff wonderful answers comments or questions you can email me directly at brian at pipesmagazine.com and i'll get them to jeff if i can't come up with a fake answer uh, <laughs> but, uh thanks for thanks for coming on we'll look forward to doing more of these with you Hey, thanks for having me, Brian. And we'll be back in just a minute. This is Internet Radio. Being at the forefront of craft tobacco production for over 20 years, we've been involved in some rather interesting projects at Cornell and Deal. From the Cellar Series to the Small Batch Project, we're extremely proud of how far we've come. So moving forward, we wanted to take it back to basics, and that's what the Burley Flake Series is all about. Burley is an underrated varietal, but there is a ton of nuance there. Using various condimental tobaccos to accentuate different aspects of the air-cured leaf, each blend in this series is intended to showcase different individual subtleties inherent to Burley. It's a simple concept, one that I think really speaks to the essence of what we do at C&D, as a crew of folks who just love tobacco. It's also really good. Cornell & Deal's Burley Flakes series wherever fine tobaccos are sold. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show, and joining me, it may sound like an echo in here, but joining me is another Brian, and this Brian is from upstate New York, and by request, I reached out, because it's Brian Kalnitz, the uh, owner, operator, second generation, father of the third generation of the Smoker's Haven of Western New York. Brian, welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Brian, thank you for uh, for having me. I, you know, we've known each other for quite some time, and I'm I'm honored that uh, you asked me to uh, be on your show and participate. So uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. So, in all fairness, uh, you were in my sales territory for about a year when I lived in upstate New York. So it's been you and uh, L.J. Peretti's are the only two former. Uh, former accounts of mine that I've had on the show, and I think it's probably because you two are the only ones willing to come on. Well, you know, we're we're a traditional um, tobacco shop. I know most stores today are, are really geared, you know, towards cigars, um, but, um, you know, I would say that probably a good... Uh, 50% of our business is in pipes and pipe tobacco. So we're, we're pipe guys. Um, yeah. We're just, uh, we're just old fashioned pipe guys. <laughs> so let's go back to the beginning. The store is in West Seneca, New York, which is essentially a, a small suburb of Buffalo. 
Correct. Yes. And in 1981 is when the shop opened. What made your dad want to do that? Was he crazy or did he have something wrong with him? Well, in actuality, my dad had opened his first store um, when, when I was just a teenager in the, um, in the uh, I would say, early to mid-70s. And, um, you know, I've actually been around it my whole life. Um, my, my dad actually had, you know, a number of stores going at the time and, and, you know, I worked with him and, uh, just, just kind of loved it. And, um, you know, uh, you know, a certain point in time, you know, I got this great idea that, Hey dad, I think I want to open my own store up. And he <laughs> says, well, come on I'll, you know, I'll help you. Let's do it. And, uh, we kind of picked, you know, West Seneca. Um, you know, as, as the area, it's just a nice centrally located, um, you know, suburb, um, that, um, that we kind of felt was, was a nice spot, you know, at the time for, for a tobacco shop. And, and, you know, here we are, uh, pretty much 40 years later. Yeah, still, still going. And, uh, and one of the things that you guys still do is you make your own, uh, you make your own pipes right there in the shop was, has that been going on since the beginning? Yeah. And that's something we, we really, really pride ourselves on. Um, uh, kind of going back to give you a little bit of history. Um, my, my dad was a pipe smoker, you know, we were growing up, my dad was a pipe smoker and, and he, he was, you know, a pretty, a pretty crafty, uh, pretty crafty guy. Um, you know, before he, he started making pipes, he used to make uh, bamboo uh, fly rods. So he was always into woodworking and doing stuff. And um, we had a uh, a shop back in the, the early, very early 70s um, in, in uh, North Tonawanda, which is another suburb of Buffalo. And uh, my dad, you know, would frequent there and get his tobacco and some pipes. And he wound up buying a piece of briar uh from from the fella and went home and and kind of with uh you know the tools he had in the basement uh made a pipe and and it came out actually quite nice um which i'm proud to say i actually still have pipe number one so i, <laughs> I have it on display here and 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 that was the start of it um you know my my dad just went uh, head over heels with it and uh was was making pipes in the basement and of course i was always down there as a little kid um you know sanding them and buffing them doing the finishing work and 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 whatnot so i was always kind of by his side and um uh within uh two years um you know he was selling quite a few pipes at the time he decided you know what i'm gonna quit my job and open a store and and that that was kind of the start of it so wow um here we are uh, and that's pushing probably 50 years now so how old were you when your dad finally let you smoke a pipe <laughs> <laughs> nobody's listening this, this it's a, just this us is a great this is a this is a great story and i'm sure uh um other pipe smokers out there will get will certainly get a chuckle out of this so um i was probably 14 15 years old um 
And, uh, you know, uh, back in the 70s, you know, smoking was, you know, little people looked at it a little differently. Uh, as a matter of fact, in our in our high school, um, if you were a senior, uh, you had access to the student smoking lounge. So uh, <laughs> things were certainly, you know, different back then. So I, um, you know, I was always kind of afraid to tell my dad because I was a little younger at the time that I wanted a pipe. I wanted a pipe. So. I, I kind of um, would sneak down into the uh, the workshop my had my dad had in the basement uh, when he wasn't around, and I I made myself a pipe, <laughs> and um, I would pinch dad's tobacco, and uh, you know before school in the morning when we all be standing on the corner you know and everybody would be smoking their you know their Marlboros or you know whatever whatever you know brand they had here was Brian um, puffing on his pipe. So <laughs> I've actually been smoking a pipe since about 14 or 15 years old. And uh, <laughs> so I, I always laugh about that. You know, I'm the only kid in probably the city of Buffalo, you know, that's standing on the corner smoking a tobacco pipe. But, um, yeah, always remember that. It's a fond memory. So you, you obviously had your dad as a guide on how to smoke a pipe, although you probably couldn't ask him because he didn't know you were smoking it. Exactly. Exactly. So, and and of course, as I got older, you know, I divulged all this, you know, information to him. But um, um <laughs> you know, as you get older, you feel like you're safe enough that you can tell them things that you didn't want to say when you were, you know, younger. Obviously. Yeah, I I finally told my dad about a year ago that all the liquor in his cabinet there at his house, it's probably just water or fruit juice, so don't worry about it, Dad. Because, <laughs> uh, you know, I at least replaced it with the right color. <laughs> That's funny. That is. Um, but, uh, yeah, at least they didn't try to drink it first, so. Yeah. Since you've been in the business for so long, let's go back to you know, when you first opened the store. What were some of the what were some of the big brands of pipes that you sold, and some of the big tobaccos that you sold? Oh my gosh! Uh, from a pipe standpoint of view, um, we we always did uh, a very big job with uh, GBDs. Yeah, Kumois. Savinelli's and uh, uh, obviously uh, Lane at the time uh, had some had some great lines. I mean, they had the Chartons, uh, they had Ben Wade's, and then they also had uh, their um, uh, second lines or third lines that were private label. So they were basically, you know, Charton and Ben Wade shapes that they would stamp your store name on for you. So they would yeah. brand them for you. Yeah. And, you know, you could actually go in there and, and pick, um, you know, I, I want six of this shape and I want six of that shape and I want six of this shape and you get all these beautiful, beautiful shapes. Um, and, and another company that was really uh, good uh, back then was Dunhill. Yep. Uh, Dun Dunhill had, uh, a lot of great lines. I mean, they had the uh, Savories and the, the Argyles and Parkers, and and they did the same thing for you. Um, they would, um, you know, all Dunhill shapes. 
um, and they, they would private label them for you. Uh, as a matter of fact, with the um, with the with the the Dunhill lines, the private label from Dunhill, we used to have them stamped. Um, the the name of my dad's shop just to kind of get off to get off the, the the path a little bit here but my my dad when he started making pipes he said I, I need a name for my pipes i gotta i gotta put something on them and and i believe it was my older brother said well why don't you call them uh belzea which means beauty in spanish <laughs> well at the time there, there was a, a a business in Buffalo that was called Belzea, and my dad didn't want to use that, so he kind of added a couple letters to it, and it came uh, Belazia. So you always called his pipes, you know, his pipes became Belazia pipes. And as a matter of fact, many <laughs> people kind of knew, you know, thought that my dad's name was Belazia. Um, so um, we we had these. Uh, private label pipes that were made for us by by Dunhill and we called them the Belazia buffalo pipe and they would actually stamp a white buffalo on the stem um so <laughs> they, they were beautiful so you know you go back and you know into the 70s and the 80s and there was just so many choices and so many options and and varieties and um you know, I, I, I actually long for those days where you could actually go in and order, you know, oompals and, and order, you know, a yachtsman and order a lumberman and a Canadian and uh, so on and so forth. You just you can't do that anymore. No, no. And, and then you had a ton of, yeah, just a ton of classic tobaccos that, you know, that were all, you know, all from all around the world. But at the same time, you really didn't. You know, did your dad start doing the the custom in store blending? You know, immediately as soon as he opened his store, you know, his thought was, um, you know, if you're selling, you know, BCA from Lane, or you're selling, you know, One Q uh, from Lane, or you're they're selling, you know, uh, you know, vanilla from from Milt Sherman. Um, everybody has that you know every yeah. you can buy that anywhere he says i i want tobaccos that um are ours they're 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 kind of proprietary so you know if somebody likes it they they can't go you know down the road and buy it down the road um so that was something that he was you, you know pretty um persistent with is is blending you know tobaccos and, and making, you know, I would say probably 75% of, of our tobaccos on the tobacco bar. And to this day, about 75% of our tobaccos on the tobacco bar are, are kind of proprietary blends. Um, you know, of course, you have to have, the, you know, the straight, the cherry and, and the red wine and, <laughs> yeah. and vanilla and, and just, you know, your basic, you know, BCA and 1Q, things of that nature. But we really make it a a point to um to blend um you know most of our tobaccos so that um you can't get them anywhere else <laughs> i'm going to take a break right here when we come back we're going to talk about tobacco blending and maybe go through a couple of the house blends and then we'll get into the uh into the pipe making so stay with us we'll be back in just a minute Savinelli Pipe is a testament to a long legacy. 
fortified by well-worn hands and destined to be enjoyed for generations. For over 150 years, Savinelli has been dedicated to sourcing the world's finest briar, committed to pushing the boundaries of pipe design, and devoted to the tradition of Italian pipe making. Savinelli is more than a mark. They're a way to help you make your mark, and like you, there can only be one Savinelli. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show, visiting with Brian of the Smokers Haven, not Brian of the Pipes Magazine radio show, although you do spell your name correctly with an I, so... Uh, you know, absolutely. I, yeah. It's the only way to spell it. Yeah, no, no. You know, I always tell people there is no question in my name, <laughs> and they look at me and they go, "Huh? Uh, you know, B R Y? Yeah, no question. Okay. Anyway, yes. <laughs> um, let us go through a couple of your blends because, uh, well, first of all, let me ask you this, and th this is something that I always like to talk to retailers about and make sure that because most of the listeners of the Pipes Magazine radio show are the more um, connoisseur or elite types, but yet I, I'd be willing to bet that uh, that 75, 80% of the tobacco you sell is aromatic. Yes, absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. And, and is it probably still the same guy that comes in and gets a, gets a pound bag once a month or something like it, that it, of it, his same it, old stuff? It is. Yeah. Yes. Um, you know, it's funny because we we really uh, are seeing a trend uh, over the last couple of years where you have a lot of uh, younger um, fellas uh, that, that are getting into pipe smoking, which is always exciting to see. Yes, thank and, God. <laughs> yeah. And, um, you know, one of the one of the things that's kind of exciting is with the younger people uh, and especially with the Internet, you know, and social media now, uh, they're kind of <clears throat> participating in, in these these, you know, chat rooms and, and you know, searching uh, for information on the Internet. And they're really getting into other tobaccos other than the basic uh, you know, aromatic blends, which is, which is kind of fun. Yeah. So, um, you know, obviously, uh, you know, we've lost a couple of, of our big, uh, name brand, uh, tobaccos lately, which is, which is very disappointing. Uh, but it's fun. I mean, it's fun to get this newer generation in who is more than willing, you know, with open arms to experiment uh, with other tobaccos, which makes it makes it kind of fun. Um, you're getting, you know, more into some of the Orientals and the English blends and and the uh, Virginias and things of that nature. So that's that's a lot of fun. And and yet one of your uh, one of your most popular blends is um, named Brian's blend, and I had nothing to do with it. Uh, so I'm wondering, <laughs> uh, it, it's basically a Virginia. Yes, it's it's actually. It's, it's actually all Virginia, um, but um, it's a kind of a mix of, of a, um, a, a plug cut rubbed out Virginia and a steam Virginia. Uh, so it's um, not as aromatic as, as most of your tobaccos on the shelf, but it's extremely mild. It's got a great aroma to it. 
It's it's a nice slow burning tobacco, um, no bite to it, and um, the biggest thing is that it's appealing aroma wise to people around you. So you know, especially um, you, you know a lot of the gals and the wives um, don't mind it because yeah. uh, it's not real heavy pungent it doesn't linger in the furniture and and you know in the carpets and and uh you know you can get away with smoking it in the house and it kind of dissipates an hour after you're done and you really can't find a trace of it so it's uh it's a nice blend now let's talk pipe making because you guys uh, if i understand it correctly you don't have a lathe you don't have a lot of machinery you still kind of do it all by hand and if you can kind of take us through your process, that'd be great. Yeah, we're we're kind of um, I guess you would call us dinosaurs when it when it comes <laughs> to pipe making. It's something that I I proudly say um, I, I'm happy that that we've never advanced um, in, into the, uh, the 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 present time um, with uh, you know machining uh, our pipes. Um, you know, people come in and they'll, they'll watch me take a pipe behind the bench and they're just, they'll just go, wow. Um, you know, I, I can't believe that that's how you do it. Um, I, I learned, um, you know, from watching my dad, my dad taught himself, um, you know, how to do it. And obviously I learned from him and I don't know if it's just a, a comfort level that this is how I'm used to doing things, but all aspects of, of the pipe are, are handmade. So when I get a block of briar, I'll trace my design out on that and I'll cut a rough square block out on the bandsaw. From there, I go to little three inch sanding discs that, you know, I have obviously, you know, mounted on motors. And, you know, we have different, different grits of paper on them. Um, so we go through four different stages with, with the, um, uh, the three inch discs from, you know, uh, a hundred starting with a hundred and, and, you know, I kind of finish it up with, uh, with a 300 and, um, <clears throat> all the shaping is done. And one of the things that I do that that's kind of backwards uh, from any, anybody else I'll totally shape my pipe in before I drill it. Most people will cut their block out, drill it, and then shape it in around the holes in it. So yep. what I do um, is, you know, we'll cut our, cut our block out on, on the bandsaw. I will totally shape that pipe in 100%, and then I drill it afterwards. So you're you're kind of you were kind of ahead of your uh, ahead of your time because that's what a lot of the uh, modern Danish high end pipe makers do is they shape first, then see what the block gives them, and then figure out how to put the ball in there. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. So, um, you know, it's it's a slower process. It's a little tedious, and you know the tough part with that process too is when somebody you know sees a pipe um maybe on, on the <laughs> on the uh on the website 
and and they'll call me and go, you know, I saw that pipe. They go, I'd like to buy that pipe. And you go, oh, geez, I sold it yesterday. Um, but I can make you one like it. I said, I can't duplicate it 100% because I'm making them by hand. Um, I said, I can get it pretty close for you, but I can't duplicate it. And, and you know, we've had a lot of luck with, with that. I can get them pretty, pretty close. It's never going to be identical, whereas a lot of pipe makers, you know, you'll see the same shape over and over and over again. They're just, you know, they're just cutting, cutting them out kind of like you're cutting a, a copy of your door key, um, you know, at the locksmith. So, um, you know, that's, we, we really kind of pride ourselves on that uniqueness. Uh, what kind of stem materials are you using? So I use, um, vulcanite and, um, and lucite are really the only two materials that, that we use. So either, you know, rubber or, you know, vulcanite acrylic and, you know, of course we do a lot of repairs um, so, um, if, if, you know, somebody's bringing in a mirror shum for repair, it, you know, you're using a Bakelite stem. Yeah. So you, I mean, you guys really are a throwback to the old pipe and tobacco store where, you know, pipes and tobaccos are the primary and yes, we've got cigars too and a good selection of cigars, but yeah, and you, you get you can you can bring in a pipe and have it repaired right there, and I think there's only about uh, ten or twelve of those left in the country. Yeah, there's there's not many. Um, you, you know, I always laugh because um, you know, obviously, I've been in business for quite some time, and, and going back, we didn't have all the 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 record keeping and the regulations and the monthly tobacco tax filings and so on and so forth, and you know. You spent a lot more time behind the workbench back then. Nowadays, um, you know, unfortunately, you have to devote so much of your time um, to the desk and doing paperwork and tobacco tax returns and, you know, things of that nature. And, and, and you know, I always joke and I said, you know, if I wanted to do paperwork for a living, I would have went to school and become an accountant. <laughs> I, I, I'm just happy yeah. behind my workbench, you know, chatting with my customers and, and, and working behind the workbench. So, um, you know, and my, my, my big joke is, um, with people that come in, you know, of course we have, you know, our vacuum system set up and, you know, and I always wear a, a you know, a mask when I'm working, but, um, you know, um, my 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 line is I I look at people and I go you know I've ingested so much briar dust over the years that when I cough little pipes come out. <laughs> and I'd, I'd hate to see what comes out the other end, but um, we won't talk. <laughs> uh, we won't talk about that. Um, yeah, really. How do you manage your day if you've also so you've got essentially a a pipe factory, you've got a retail store, and then you've got you know a lounge and you guys do special events um yeah i'm glad you could sneak away for an hour and join us oh yeah i i you know what i love um i this is what i enjoy i mean you know yeah. talking to you somebody that you know has a history in in the in the business and and you understand you know what pipes were you know years ago uh, you know, compared to, to what, you know, we have to offer today. 
Um, it's, um, you know, I, I have catalogs. Um, I'm a hoarder. Um, <laughs> I think and, most pipe people are. As a matter of fact, I have um, uh, quite uh, quite an extensive uh, Tabacchiana uh, collection, uh, an- collection of antiques. And, um, you know, my, um, my bucket list is, uh, which we're, we're kind of working on now is to try to, uh, expand, uh, and get a little more room as foot is to, uh, to put in a, uh, a museum. Um, I, I just have so much stuff, uh, and beautiful, beautiful stuff. Um, so that, that's kind of my, my goal is, is to, um, is to put a, you know, a, a museum in and kind of be able to share that with people. Um, when, uh, we, we have our, our monthly pipe club, uh, meeting at the store and, you know, every month, uh, during, you know, we have our meeting, you know, everybody's asking, well, what are you bringing out to show us this time? <laughs> so, um, and I love it. I, I just love sharing, sharing that stuff. And I'm fortunate because, uh, my dad had, uh, quite a bit of stuff also that I kind of, uh, you know, inherited when dad passed away. So, um, you know, we've got, uh, we've got quite a, a stockpile, um, to, to kind of give you an example. Do you, um, do you remember the old Pipe Lovers magazine, Brian? Yeah, yeah, I saw. Well, I I wasn't around when it came out, but I rem. Uh, was that? Wait a second. Was that the little one that came out like five or six times, or was that the big one that was in the fifties? Yeah, it's the big one. It okay. actually started in the forties. Yeah. Um, and uh, I I actually have uh, a complete set of Pipe Lover magazine, every issue. Uh, from from when when they began printing it in the 40s until uh, the finish in the 50s, uh, yeah. and they're they're in pretty pretty pristine condition. So, <laughs> um, just some some interesting artifacts that we have. Yeah. Now the pipe club meets uh, on the third Thursday of the month from seven to ten p.m. According to your website. Uh, yes. Are are visitors welcome if we happen to be in town? Oh. Absolutely. Absolutely. As a matter of fact, uh, a little while back, um, I have some, some dear friends that have, uh, uh, an, another, uh, store in the, in the Buffalo area. I don't know if you're familiar with a place called Virgil Avenue Tobacconist. Yeah. Yep. But very, very good friends of ours and they have a pipe club also. And what I did is I invited their pipe club to over here. And, and I did a pipe making demonstration for them from start to finish. And, um, so it was a little bit of a long evening, but we, um, we, uh, we, we made a pipe from start to finish. And then when we were done, I, I, um, we had a little drawing and I gave it away to one of, one of the, uh, you know, the members. So that was a lot of fun. <laughs> so we're definitely open to visitors coming in and, uh, and we just like to have a good time. We, um, Matter of fact, we have some cigar smokers that come for Pipe Club sometimes <laughs> because they just—it's fun. It's yeah. just fun. It's just a bunch of guys sharing tobaccos and stories and pipes and uh, and uh, telling telling uh, you know telling stories. And you know, I always tell people wear your boots because it gets deep in here sometimes. <laughs> yeah. it's a, sometimes those stories may not be real, but they're good. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. 
Uh, how many pipes a year would, on average, do you guys make in the shop? Uh, well, my son Adam uh, has has really been coming along. He's he's been making some beautiful stuff also, so that's kind of exciting, uh, you know, f- for me. And um, I would say that we probably are are making six pipes a week. Wow! In addition to running a business, that's yes, <laughs> yeah, yes, yeah. And you know, it's tough because I get a lot of special orders where people will trace out their own pipe or they'll see a picture of a pipe and can you make this for me? And uh, so. I'm guessing that probably half the pipes we make are, are actually special special orders that, um, you know, somebody's requested something specific. Um, so to kind of keep the, you know, our our shelf full, um, we, we have a shelf in one of the display cases that's just, you know, our handmade pipes. So we probably have, I'm going to guess about 80 of our handmade pipes in there, and we like to keep that shelf full. Um, so between doing that and then, uh, you know, the custom orders, it, it keeps you busy. Yeah. And you where do the pipes start out at price wise? So our pipes start out at around, uh, $75 and, and the ones that are $75 <laughs> wow. are, um, more, um, basic shapes that are rusticated. So, they're you know easy to finish because we're rusticating them yeah um they're basic shapes so they're they're easy to make um and and but you know you're still getting the same quality briar as you would uh in, in a pipe that let's say is is two hundred dollars and um one of the biggest um the biggest comments that we get from from people that especially people that are into um premium pipes is that while your prices are really low yeah and (laughs) i I wasn't gonna say that but um yeah you know we're we're in in you know we're in buffalo and and we've always been in buffalo and you know it's it's a it's a blue collar city um it's not like being in in you know chicago or boston or you know la um you know, we, we have pipes that, that, you know, we'll hand make and we'll put them out for $150. And, you know, if you were in a, anywhere in a bigger market area that, you know, that pipe easily would be two to three times, you know, what it's marked, but, um, you know, we're in Buffalo and, and, you know, I'm, I'm just happy, you know, to be able to share them with people (laughs) and people are able to, you know, to afford them and, and enjoy them. So, yeah. Brian, we will wrap this up with the fast five final questions. No right answer, no wrong answer, just whatever comes to your mind. Are you ready? I hope so. <laughs> what is your favorite pipe? Chartons. Outside of my own. But I, I'm i uh, just real quick, I, I'm a Charton collector. I always have been. I, uh, those English freehands have always been a huge, huge influence on me. Yeah. Uh, with what I what I make and and I I actually have uh, quite quite an extensive collection of uh, of uh, Chartons. So I'd have to say, besides my own Chartons, it. What is your favorite tobacco? 
Brian's blend. <laughs> I wonder why. <laughs> um, what is your favorite drink? Coca-Cola. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. I don't know if that's I don't know if that's something that you want to share with people, but uh, and and I do like I, I when it comes to alcohol, I I do like cognac. So I I'm not a big drinker. I know, uh, um, you know, we we always have a little spirit here. So if anybody ever wants a bourbon or a scotch, we we always have a nice little selection um, that we're happy to share. Um, but I, I I'm a cognac guy. I I enjoy a nice cognac. When it's time to relax, do you prefer a book, a movie, or music? Music. And then finally, and this will be a tough one for you, uh, do you have a favorite pipe smoking-related memory that we haven't talked about? You know, uh, boy, there's... There, there's, um, <laughs> yeah. there's there's quite There's quite a few... Uh, unique uh unique uh memories um i i'd have to say um some some of the the the, the fondest memories are um you know of, of some of our pipe smoking contests that we've had you know of years past just um um you know we 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 kind of bend our, our rules a little bit i mean we don't go by the you know official <laughs> you know, sanction, sanction rules. Um, but, but we do keep it, you know, uh, everybody gets the same amount of tobacco and the two stick matches and a minute to light it. And, um, but just a lot of fun, lots of people, you know, having a good time and enjoying themselves. So the website is smokers haven wny which is short for western new york so smokers haven wny.com uh you know if you're in the western new york area if you're in niagara falls come across the border the cigars are cheaper uh the tobacco's cheaper um everything's cheaper in buffalo than it is in on the canadian side uh but uh, it's definitely worth a stop by. And Brian, thank you very much for taking time out of your day and hanging out with us. Brian, it was actually just nice to get a chance to uh, chat with you again. So uh, um, I, I know I always enjoyed when you'd come by and, and visit us when you were working. So it was a pleasure. Yeah, and I'll uh, hopefully I'll see you at the trade show maybe, and we'll uh, we'll we'll be the two guys smoking pipes walking around. The there. two guys smoking the pipe, right? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Thanks again. You got it. Thanks. Thanks again, Brian. We'll be back in just a minute. Have a look in your tobacco cellar. What do you see? Think of what you smoke, what you age, what you're drawn to in a blend that keeps you wanting more. That's your taste, and whether you know it or not, you've been leading that expedition since you first picked up a pipe, just by smoking what you like and liking what you smoke. But the funny thing about taste, it changes, and you need a wide selection to accommodate it. We at Smoking Pipes know this, and you know it too. So whether you're searching for a tried and true favorite or a singular boutique mixture, we're here to help you navigate the voyage of your evolving tastes. But you're still at the helm. Smoking pipes in faithful service of the hobby. 
This is Internet Radio. And we are back. Uh, if you're in the uh, Buffalo area, do make sure and stop by Smoker's Haven. Uh, take a look at his pipes online. Give Brian a holler. And, uh, you know, it's just a great place to hang out. All right. For music, we go to uh, uh, my friend Dan Locklear sent, the, sent me a, a note about uh, Gerald Finzi, who was a uh, British composer and a pipe smoker. And I found this one little piece that I like that I thought we'd play some uh, some classical music now after that nice discussion. This is from the Love Labor's Lost Suite, Opus 28. This is uh, movement number seven. It's called uh, The King's Poem, uh, composed by Gerald Finzi. If you would like to hear more of that, it's F-I-N-Z-I, Gerald, G-E-A-R-L-D, Gerald Finzi. You can find uh, two more movements of it on Spotify, and uh, they're, they're really pretty. You've got mail. And obviously, since this show is pre-recorded, I don't have any comments about last week, but if you do have any comments, post them on uh, PipesMagazine.com on the Pipes Magazine radio show page, or email me, Brian, at PipesMagazine.com. Or travel, brian.levine at mei-travel.com. Follow me on Facebook, all that stuff. Uh, anyway, going to Dan Locklear again. He said, uh, interesting about hiccups that you got over Crooner. I remember a number of conversations with Craig when he was developing it. Around the same time, he was trying to duplicate DPE from David P. Ehrlich. I smoked DPE for many years, and like so many Burley-based blends, mid-century, such as Brindley's, it had deer tongue in it. I actually enjoyed its flavor and still periodically light up DPE to remember it. Uh, anyway, with PM gone from pipe tobacco blending, then House of Windsor, uh, Craig Tarler had contacted 
to see if he could make DPE for Ehrlichs. He was never, ever too successful uh, to do so, and I was one of his tasters. However, through the tasting period of the real DPE, I remember Craig marveling that I could smoke it, for he found that it really packed a nicotine punch. As a matter of fact, he got the hiccups from DPE, so it must be the deer tongue. <laughs> there you go. Uh, it must be the, uh, <laughs> the deer tongue will give you hiccups. <laughs> anyway. Uh, and then uh, Mike McLaughlin wrote, uh, Brian, I love how you ask most people in your interviewing about how they began smoking a pipe. It got me thinking about my own personal journey. Uh, when, I, when I was 15, my best friend had an older brother who I gave $25 to buy me a pipe from a local shop, which is no longer there, David's Briar Shop. Months went by and I had no pipe in hand. To be honest, I had no idea what I was even asking for, but after I approached him inquiring about the whereabouts of my pipe, he made up some story that it got stolen out of his car. Right. Uh, 15 years later... I was smoking a cigar in a local smoke shop, and the owner said, have you ever smoked a pipe? So I told him that story, and it resulted in me buying one of his Savinelli 626 rusticated pipes. I enjoyed it, but as many know, learning to smoke a pipe is crucial to getting the most out of it. I then landed on your show, uh, as it has inspired me to go all in. Thanks again for an always entertaining and educational show. You are very welcome. Glad you're uh, glad you're enjoying the show. Um, hope you uh, well. Maybe you got your money back. I severely doubt it. And then uh, finally, uh, going back a couple weeks, uh, Steve Davenport said, uh, "Got to say this week's Ask the Pipe Maker segment of the show is a fun surprise. Definitely enjoyed hearing Jeff's take on the gurgle problem I was having with one of the pipes I picked up in Vegas." Fortunately, the gurgle has mostly gone away. Uh, nothing now that a quick swab with a pipe cleaner doesn't take care of. Glad I followed your suggestion to keep smoking it and give it some time. There you go. We got uh, <laughs> we we actually helped save a pipe. All right, in just a moment, a rave. This is Phil Morgan, General Manager of Missouri Meerschaum Corncob Pipes in Washington, Missouri. Our mission since 1869 has been to produce great smoking pipes that anyone can afford. We guarantee our pipes won't be your most expensive, but they just might be the ones you smoke the most. At Missouri Meerschaum Company, we don't just sell our corncob pipes. We grow them, make them, and smoke them. Missouri Meerschaum, Washington, Missouri, since 1869. Last week I rallied against the antis, and this week we're rallying in support of Walgreens. Why? Because Walgreens apparently is under pressure from some of their stockholders as to why they still sell tobacco, considering that CVS, their main competitor, has gotten out of the business. Well, here's what the article says on USA Today. 
According to uh, James Skinner, executive chairman of Walgreens, he says, we are well aware of the risks with this, but we leave it to customer's choice. And if the customers choose to smoke and want to buy tobacco products in our, in our environment, we provide that. It goes on to talk about how they provide all these smoking cessation stuff and how they're all educated on, uh, you know, on, on age verification and how to check that. Now, the, bo- the thing at the bottom line down there, at uh, the bottom says, uh, a representative of one shareholder said, help us to understand how the benefits of selling tobacco outweigh the risks, risks to the company's mission, to its reputation, and to people's health. Well, here's how it is, all right? Smoking is a personal choice. If you decide to do it, it's up to you. Nobody's forcing you to do it. It's up to you, and we need to allow personal choices. If we start taking away personal choices, the rest of them will fall. So I'm asking all of you, and I've said this before, that any chance we get, go to Walgreens instead of CVS. If you need a greeting card, go to Walgreens instead of the grocery store. If you need your prescription filled and Walgreens works out for you, pick them, please. We need to show them our our support because we have a choice of where to shop. You can either shop at CVS, which has discontinued all tobacco products, or you can go to Walgreens where they're ready to take care of you. I want to thank uh, Jeff for coming back on. Thanks to Brian. And uh, hopefully next week I'll tell you how my uh, smoking trip went for the last few smokes inside uh, Disneyland before they go smoke-free in there. And uh, thank you all for tuning in. Until next time. the clouds when we're together just sing a song and think about sunny Searching for that treasure, sailing the seven seas on a five-year mission, boldly going where no man has gone before. Say, that's catchy.